In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Sometimes I fear that the beauty and pageantry of our worship um, robs the gospel of its power. Um, When I hear this gospel, I almost burst into laughter at the end of it. Think about what's being said. John the Baptist is preaching up a storm. He's, He's burst out of the wilderness full of righteous anger. Um, Repent, clean up your act, prepare the way, get things in order. I'm preparing the way, one is coming after me who will baptize not only with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, and on and on John goes. All about clearing out, Separating good from the bad, the bad burning with unquenchable fire. And then this whole section ends with, so, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. (laughs) Good news? Where is the good news in that? It's scary news. Baptism by fire? Separation from the good stuff, from the bad stuff, and where are we left to worry? Do we have it right? Which side are we on? It can sound like that sort of old-time religion many of us have spent a lot of years trying to avoid or get away from. And at the very least, we don't find it very motivating. It's enough to make us turn to the TV preachers with big smiles and good skin who keep things positive and don't really bother much with Jesus. But let's not turn away from the gospel too fast. Because in John's message, there is good news. There's unbelievably good news. Part of the good news is that in that separation of what's good in the world, what's salvageable, what God can work with, whether we're talking about material things or jobs or perspectives or people. Part of the good news is that it's not our judgment to make. God judges. And so we can leave the judgment up to God. If we really believe that, that's an enormous weight off. Because it means that no longer do I have to stand in that seat of judgment, pronouncing this and that sentence about this person and that person and myself. God and God alone is the judge. God's got it. But John's message is also really good news, I think, because of what comes in the middle of this section it begins talking about baptism and getting things right and clean. Uh, as Christians, we, we perceive these texts as helping us to prepare the way to do a kind of winter cleaning um, materially and spiritually so that we can be clean and ready and renewed for some new presence of Christ at Christmas. John's message begins with this advice of cleaning house and getting rid of what's no longer useful, letting those destructive habits die away, those things that are wearing wearing us down and out, 
to get ready for something new, to prepare, to hope, to expect. It's all about that. But then John gets really practical. The crowds ask John the Baptist what I might ask or you might ask. Well, what are we supposed to do? How do we live in these times? How do we best prepare? Especially when times are so confusing or bad, we're not sure whether we can even pay more attention to the news or whether we can even look at our own problems squarely. We might feel completely overwhelmed, and so we bring all of our questions to to John the Baptist, to Jesus, to the heart of God. What are we to do? More good news from John the Baptist. Do the simple, faithful thing right in front of you. Just do that. Whoever has two coats, share with the one who has none. Whoever has food, do likewise. The tax collectors come to be baptized, and they say, what should we do? Again, the common sense, simple, faithful thing right in front of them. Collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. The soldiers also come. What should we do? And I love how John the Baptist doesn't sort out war and peace or whether one can carry arms or not. Those questions come later. Instead, he just says, don't extort money from people by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. John the Baptist, with all of his slightly scary talk about the end of times and the beginning of new days, of of one who's coming who will sort things out for good and give people their due, when it comes down to it, John is saying to us that the way we prepare best for God's coming more fully into our world is through these very simple acts of kindness and mercy. As many of you know, uh, last week I was able to go to Mexico City for a pilgrimage to the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I had visited that basilica in 2015, um, and it's one of those places that, for me anyway, kind of grabs you. And I thought then I'd love to come back for the big feast day itself. And so I was able to, to do that and join the Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, no one's really sure. The newspapers were estimating that some nine million people might have gone to the Basilica between Tuesday or Wednesday. Probably a slight overstatement, but it was a huge crowd. My own journey was nothing like a lot of people's. I mean, I flew into town, and then from the hotel just walked about four or five miles up to the Basilica. All around me were people unloading from buses or on bicycles or on foot who had walked for days, some even longer. Many carried children or provisions for the night or the next few days or or images or statues of Our Lady of Guadalupe who they, they hoped would be blessed by their proximity to the sacred image that hangs in the basilica. And though I'd read of all of this, I'd done my research, I'd read lots of accounts, I don't think anything could quite prepare me for the atmosphere along the roads and the walkways. Everybody was helping everybody else. 
It reminded me of those times of crises in New York City, uh, of 9-11, or the great uh, blackout when we lost power that really hot summer, or Hurricane Sandy for many of you. I wasn't here then. But those times when we lose ourselves for a minute or two, and we actually look around us and try to be of help to others. Those sacred moments when we're taken outside of ourselves for a greater good. Last week in Mexico City, all along the way, people were offering free food, um, pan and tortas and tamales and all kinds of things, and and water and atole and, and coffee and juice. The people giving things were having a ball. They were maybe having more fun than those of us who were on our way to the Basilica. They were extraordinarily happy to be able to share, to be able to offer assistance. And nowhere did I see anybody pushing to get to the good stuff or insisting that he or she get a first share. In yesterday's New York Times, there's a a good article on this pilgrimage to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And there's a photograph of a 17-year-old young man named Jesus Vicuña. He had prayed that his mother might get well from a grave illness. And in gratitude for her healing, he had promised to go to the Basilica and say thank you. He'd walked for three days with his buddies. And in the last stretch, he decided to walk forward on his knees, making his way that way, helped on either side by his friends. On my way, I saw a number of people making their way to the basilica on their knees, and each time they were helped by other people, helped by people who were supporting them, who were clearing traffic, who were giving them water, who were were just helping It reminded me of those times in my life when um, I haven't so much physically been on my knees, but spiritually or psychologically was driven to my knees, and others supported me. Regardless of what one might think about sacred places or holy images or including the Virgin Mary in our prayers to God, there's an extraordinary power in getting out of ourselves, of of bending the knee of the heart in humility, moving towards God in need. Some of us practice that going to strange, exotic places, and others of us practice it right here. Today, this afternoon, this week. John the Baptist preaches about repentance. Sometimes the church has, I think, misled us to think that uh, absolution after repentance comes through some sort of magic or religious prescription given by a priest. Where John the Baptist is putting his finger on the source of true absolution, true forgiveness, It comes when we act out of ourselves in kindness, in consideration, in humility, by lending a coat, by sharing food, money, by working an honest day, by being of help. It's easy for us to get overwhelmed by the issues of the day or our own issues or the demands of the season, the expectations of others or ourselves. But may the Holy Spirit help us this Advent to make little simple steps of faithfulness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.